Welcome to a special edition of Talking Comics. I am your host, Stephanie Cook, and I'm joined by a very special guest today, uh, Daphna Plebin from Boom Studios. Daphna, thank you so much for joining us. I'm happy to be here. I love you guys. Yeah, we love you too. Uh, Daphna is an editor at Boom, as I said, and she's working on such titles that you might have heard of at Lumberjanes, Sons of Anarchy, you know, just a couple small things that probably you would have never known about otherwise. Um, so thank you for bringing us those books and thank you for coming to discuss those books and everything else in between. No problem. We had you, for anyone who uh, hasn't been listening to The Misfits, shame on you. Uh, Daphna joined us for an in-depth discussion on butts, or sorry, Winter Soldier. <laughs> Winter Soldier. That's the one, not butts. Butts and Winter Soldier. Well, I think in-depth and butts go very well together. True, true. Uh, but that was a really, really fun time. So uh, for this one-on-one -on -one series I was doing, you know, you were the first person I thought of when I was expanding outside of, you know, uh, comic artists and writers. It's like, who can I talk to that's an editor? Uh, Daphna, <laughs> obviously. Uh, so this is obviously, this is a pretty broad question. And editing seems like it would be a pretty straightforward job, but what exactly is involved in being a comic book editor? Um, well, it's funny because the answer always comes out different. Um, I think the biggest thing that's involved in being a editor, especially a comic book editor, is that uh, you are sort of the taskmaster. Um, especially in the direct market where comics are monthly, there's a schedule to hit. Retailers really depend on us being able to provide a book when we say we will. So we're very much there to give boundaries to the creative process and not in a bad way, but in sort of like, this is the time you have to think, and this is the time you have to execute. And we're very much there to help, uh, direct the creative process, uh, towards completion, which anything saying like completion sounds weirdly sexual and it's not, I swear. Uh, <laughs> I kind of cringe when I said that word, but in a good way. Um, and so, yeah, being an editor, you're always working on the book that's going to press now and the book that just went to press and the book that's going to go to press. And so you're constantly living in, you're like a time traveler. You're constantly living in the present and the past and the future. Um, so like, for example, in one title, you know, I might have all the art and all the letters and all the colors and we're proofing that and we're making sure that the art matches what the script is asking for and what the writer or creator intended, um, that the colors are what the artist is looking for. Um, and then at the same time, we're working on the script for the next issue or we're working on the art for the next issue and we're working on the art for the issues after that. And so you're constantly sort of living in a three month bubble, you know, past, present and future <laughs> every moment of every day. Um, so no stress, no stress at all. No stress so very, at all. Very easy job. <laughs> uh, so, I mean, a typical day for you is basically running around like a chicken with its head cut off. Yeah, no, that's exactly it. It's sort of, well, a typical day starts with a huge amount of coffee. Our coffee machine <laughs> Obviously. is so like crusty and gross and it's the only kind of coffee that really wakes you up because it's got no, years of accumulated damage, um, <laughs> like we do. 
Um, so it yeah, just like, bleeds caffeine. It just bleeds caffeine. Like the glass itself, you take a lick and it's going to get get you high. <laughs> so, um, yeah, we really, really depend on a lot of caffeine. Uh, now it's starting to sound like an addiction. Like just saying that out loud, I'm like, ooh, ooh, that's gross. Um, <laughs> but yeah, it's a lot of, you know, the, the best thing about comics is you get to work with people all over the world because artists are all over the world, writers are all over the world, colorists, um, even printers. And so you're constantly, you know, the first thing you do is you go to your inbox and you kind of despair and you pour yourself a cup of coffee and then you tackle it and you just start from the beginning and you work your way down. Um, and yeah, like it sounds really boring in the saying of it, but it's a lot of fun because we get to work with so many different kinds of creative types. You're not just story editing. You're also giving directions for the colorist or helping the colorist achieve what they want or the artists achieve what they want. And you're a sounding board for all these immensely talented people. And so, you know, on one hand, you're the taskmaster, but on the other hand, you're like the first audience. You get to be the test audience for all your favorite books. Well, yeah. And you're, you're getting to, you know, like you see these titles and you're a huge comic book fan too. And I can imagine that looking at these, you'd be like, you know, being like, oh, people are going to love this. Like Absolutely. you're excited to put these out into the world. And well, just... it's, it's, it's like sort of showing off. I mean, like when you're a kid and you have to present in class, like your history day project and you're so proud and like, that's what it sort of is. It's like, I'm just so proud to show what all these amazing people did when brought in sort of a virtual room together. Uh, so how much of your job as an editor is looking for new titles that help progress the industry in like new and exciting ways? Um, you know, so much of it, just by being in the industry, but also being a fan, you're always constantly thinking like, wouldn't it be great if dot, dot, dot. And the best part is I get to fill in, you know, the dot, dot, dot. I get to, you know, I was watching Sleepy Hollow uh, with Noelle and Marguerite and we were both, we were all huge fans of it. And I was like, wouldn't it be great if dot, 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 we did a comic book. And Boom had a relationship. I can with make Fox. this happen. And I was like, actually, I think that might be possible. Like, I think that we could do that. And that's what the Sleepy Hollow comic was. It was a bunch of, you know, we were fans and we wanted to share in the experience and share our love for that show. And uh, we got to do it. And so it's one of those things where it's you daydream about it and then the next day you get to execute it. I love like three, not even three minutes, like two minutes after you told me you, you were on Sleepy Hollow, I do the introduction and I totally didn't say you were on the Sleepy Hollow book. But oh, it, it's okay. That is, I mean, that's fantastic too. Daphne also edits Sleepy Hollow, guys. Hi. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, that's, I mean, that's got to feel so great uh, to be able to just kind of, you know, have the power to make something you want come into existence. Oh, absolutely. It makes you feel like a god. It goes to your head. Um, <laughs> but in a good way. Uh, it's it's just, it's it's great being able to know that there are people out there that, sh that share that excitement. Mm -hmm. um, Sons of Anarchy is another great example. Like when I first started at Boom, way back when I was an assistant editor, well, a marketing assistant, then an assistant <laughs> editor. But uh, uh, when I first started, we were all fans. It was like the second season of Sons of Anarchy and Matt and Eric and Bryce, we were all fans. And we're like, well, let's just pitch for it. Let's see what happens. And, you know, a few years later, we got it. And um, we got to tell the stories we wanted in that universe. And there's not a lot of it like that in comics right now. It's a crime book. It's a biker book. It's gritty. Um, and so 
being able to have that freedom was a lot of fun. And then, you know, original projects too, you see it. Lumberjanes is a great example, actually. You know, Shannon is an editor at Boom and she's an amazing editor on the Kaboom and Boombox titles. And she's like, I have this idea, you know, do you think we can make it happen? And we could, because it was such an exciting idea that, you know, the marketplace hadn't seen before. Um, so it's, it's, it's really nice to have that kind of freedom. So with Lumberjanes, uh, was the initial idea, you said it was like an editor's idea to bring it into existence and did she put together the team or? Yeah, Shannon and Grace and Noel had been kicking around the idea for a while. And so it was just the right time, you know? It's and it's like, such a great book. Yeah, it's fantastic. They're all so amazing. I think one of our misfits questions of the day, and this obviously won't line up with uh, when this interview goes up, but at the time <laughs> um, was, you know, which lumberjane do you, yeah, is, is your like spirit animal basically. And the answers were all over the place, but so many Ripley's. Everyone oh, so loves many Ripley. Ripley's. But I'm not a Ripley. I found that out. Oh. <gasps> What are you? I'm, Who are you? I'm a Jen. I'm a oh, okay. I'm, I'm the one that's like, guys, guys, we have deadlines. I can guys, see that. Come on, let's follow the rules. And everyone's like, ah, oh, screw your rules, old man. But you're like, you're still like trying to have fun. Like Jen tries to get in there and, mm-hmm. you know, be like the cool camp, camp counselor when she's not wanting to claw everyone's eyes out. <laughs> that's true. Yeah, I could see that. I could see that a little bit. And then eventually <laughs> gets like lulled into like, oh, wait, it's fun to be bad. <laughs> yeah. Um, so how does Boom go about finding new talents to showcase in their books? I mean, you guys have a good chunk of established talent, but you also have a lot of new artists and you've been um, really paving the way for, you know, big up and coming artists. I mean, James Tinney and Marguerite Bennett, I feel like they've really made their names with Boom and gone on to do huge things. How how do you guys um, find new people to work on Boom titles? Uh, you know, it's it's sort of that thing where you know we're fans, and so we are reading books constantly, and we're we're noticing you know things that we love, and and we want to reach out, and we love, for example, Marguerite's a great example. We loved what she did with um with Lobo and 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 so I ran into her at Baltimore Comic Con I was like I love I love what you did with Lobo and it's just that simple it's like you share your affection or you share your appreciation for someone's work and it opens you know doorways to collaboration all the time I feel like Tumblr would be a boom editor's best friend as well. Oh, I live on it. I live on it. Absolutely. <laughs> this also um, doesn't shock me. <laughs> it's where, you know, it's where, I, you know, you run into artists like Dan Moore or Vanessa Del Rey. Um, is The nice thing about Tumblr is that environment isn't codified the way the direct market is. Mm-hmm. So you get to find artists who have other influences beyond just the sort of mainstream comics, uh, but who also have a love for mainstream comics. And so it kind of bridges the gap between two great, interesting worlds. Now, um, okay, so what other things round out your geek life? How did you get into comics and Star Trek and all kinds of other things that inevitably led you to Boom? (laughs) Oh, wow. Um, Weirdly, they're kind of all connected in the sense that I love Star Trek. Star Trek was kind of the only show my parents let me watch as a kid because they thought it was educational and they thought <laughs> it was scientific. 
and Star Trek um, had comic books, I think at the time with Malibu comics or Marvel comics. And so I wanted to read more Star Trek and I'd read all the books and I'd finished all the pocketbooks. And so I was like, okay, where can I get more Star Trek? Like the TV show doesn't play 24 seven and I need Star Trek 24 seven. And I discovered the comic books and that got me into the store and that got me into um, weirdly Robin's. I think it's because Tim Drake's costume kind of looked like a Next Generation costume. <laughs> and I was very young and impressionable. And uh, I got into sort of Young Justice and Robin and Nightwing and Birds of Prey. Very and there was no turning back. <laughs> it was just yeah. down the rabbit hole. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, the nice thing was back then, do you remember, um, I don't know if they have it where you're at, but Barnes & Nobles had a huge comic book section. And uh, my mom would study for law school at the cafe upstairs. And so I got to just spend the whole time, you know, in this kind of science fiction comic book section of the bookstore and just read to my 12-year-old heart's content. Nice. Yeah. I, we, used, we have a chain similar in Canada uh, called Chapters, and we also have Indigo. But I, I feel you. I, my mom used to take me, and I'd sit in the store and just read forever. Or yeah. I w- my parents sent me to Catholic school and being um, the good student I was in high school, I would skip mass and go hang out in the bookstore and just read in a corner because, you know, what else would you do if you're skipping school? besides Exactly. It's just read some more. <laughs> yeah. Read in a bookstore. Why not? Um, so we're, I'm going to ask one heavy question and then yeah. we'll, we'll, we'll switch it up with some fun stuff, but I mean, obviously, you're a woman in uh, the comic book industry, and it's awesome. I, I mean, I think you and I both love being in this industry, but it's also got its, you know, downsides, downs. too. Yeah. So have you ever experienced any sexism in the industry, and how did you uh, deal with that, or how do you deal with that? Um, you know, I I have. I have. I mean, I think... I think most women have, and I, it, it ranges from sort of benign to hostile. Um, I worked in a comic store actually in college because I wanted to get my fix and I wanted it to get it cheaply because I was a college student. So I wanted the sort of employee discount. And so I worked a lot behind the register and oftentimes I would get sort of customers, you know, questioning if I was the girlfriend of the owner, um, testing my knowledge, all the sort of classic, problems you see in you know cartoons when people draw cartoons what it's like to be a woman in comics like they're cliches for a reason because Mm -hmm. it happens a lot um you know and even after that when I would be just a uh, customer when I wasn't working there anymore and I was just there and I had a pull you know a new employee wouldn't recognize me and would constantly question my bona fides I was like I have a pull my name is there you're pulling comics for me each week it's not for my boyfriend. There's not a guy named Daphna. Um, <laughs> so yeah, that's always really interesting. And it's kind of one of those things where after a while, I just played into the cliche because it was funnier and I was bored trying to prove <laughs> myself to people I didn't care about. So I would just ask, like, I would say, like, Batman, like, it's one word, like, you know, like a Goldman or something, um, or <laughs> Spiderman. Um, <laughs> And pretend like that's their full name and uh, just pretend like, you know, he's in the Justice League and just ask really dumb questions because I was so bored pretending that I gave a shit what they thought. Um, so, yeah, being a woman in comics means you get your kicks in different ways. 
I, I love like going into comic shops and when people are like, oh, you know what ladies like? And I'm like, oh, do you assume that I don't read comics? And then they're like, <laughs> you know what you should read? Fables. And I'm like, please tell me about this comic that I've <laughs> never, never, ever heard of before. Please go on. Oh, that must be amazing. I do. And then I'm just kind of sitting there like, cool, 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 cool. Who, who's the <laughs> wow. author? Willingshire? Who? <laughs> what? You're such a troll. I love it. <laughs> uh, good times. <laughs> um, all right. So, I mean, sexism, obviously, a bit of a downer. But yeah. if you could live in one fictional world that, in theory, wouldn't be a downer, uh, you know, Westeros, Hogwarts, although Hogwarts, Who I guess, isn't it? Who live in Westeros? What's so Well, I mean, I'm not saying with? you have to choose that. I'm just... No, no. <laughs> Anyone said that? Because I, I, mm, that's terrifying. Warlords, maybe? I haven't maybe. interviewed a lot of warlords yet, though. <laughs> but I'll get back to you. Yeah. yeah. Um, but I mean, is, is there any fictional world that you would love to live in or at least, you know, visit on an extended vacation? Yeah. I mean, I someone actually recently asked me that question. And, and it took me a long time, but when I finally settled on it, I was like, oh, yeah, that can be the only answer. And I think the answer is Star Trek Next Generation. Not the original series, because <laughs> things are still a little sexist back then. Not Deep Space Nine, because there was a war going on, and a lot of people died in the Dominion War. <laughs> um, and not Voyager, because you're stranded on the edge of space with no coffee. Uh, so it's got to be it's got to be Next Generation, but not on the Enterprise. I would just be like... I'm happy to just have like a comic book editor job on Earth, far away from the fight, far away from sort of interstellar radiation and space disease, like, but having access to replicators and transporters. So I want the most mundane existence in the safest <laughs> Star Trek. You just want all the cool shit yeah. with no actual changes to your day-to-day -day life. No, exactly. I, I just want to be able to like transport home for dinner. <laughs> and then, you know, transport to the movies and then, you know, replicate myself another drink, but not be in a spaceship that could mal malfunction at any time. And then I'll die in the cold vastness of space. So if you had a superpower, would your superpower be like teleportation? No, because you could accidentally like splice yourself in the middle of something. I think my superpower would be to slightly float above the ground. Just slightly? Like... <laughs> yeah, yeah. And it's, it's just I love how, convenient. like, cautious you are about very all... Cautious. Like I'm very, very... I mean, that's part of your traits as an editor. You always have to be very cautious, I guess. <laughs> but, but, like, I mean, like, I wouldn't know where I'm going. What if someone put a chair where I thought was empty, and then I'd be fused with a chair? So you would just want to be able to hover? Yeah, because then, like, I wouldn't ever trip. <laughs> I don't know, like, I feel I would, if I had powers to fly, I would find all new ways to be clumsy. That's true. You could run into a plane, which sucks. I think about Or geese. Lot. Like, when, when I'm on a plane, I look out the window, I'm like, that sucks for Superman. <laughs> for anyone in Superman's path. I, I, I think birds would be kind of uh, a problem. Like, you know, geese are everywhere in Canada. Yeah. and you know. your teeth? Yeah. I, I, maybe, I don't know. You'd have to... Maybe he flies above... I wonder if anyone has ever asked Superman, because he's a real human being. Well, <laughs> Kryptonian. He's not yeah. human. Duh. Um, <laughs> is if he flies above where planes fly, just to be safe. 
like between satellites and planes, I think that's where Superman flies. But that means he can't really carry people. No. Because they can't live up there. No. And, you know, anywhere, if you're carrying other people around, you're going really fast, too. I mean, yeah. even if you stick your head out a window, you know, driving down the highway, it gets, you know, any sand that hits you, bugs, that hurts. Yeah. Well, and especially if they're not superpowered, they probably, when he lands, they're like a bag of jelly. That just got dark, and I don't like it when people make Superman dark. <laughs> makes me angry. Dang, I don't want to think about that, like Superman landing and Lois Lane is just a bag of broken bones. <laughs> that just made me really sad. I just, I'm just having a moment here. Thank you. Sorry. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> and he fixes her because then yeah. he makes the earth spin around the opposite way and they go back in time. Yes, yes, totally. That tracks. Good. You saved it. Yay. Okay. Let's see. What what else do we got here? What else? Hmm. So, okay. What are some of the key elements to you in telling a great story, specifically in a comic? Um, I think the key element is... Hmm. Hmm. Asking um, the tough questions. A great story in a comic. I mean, I feel like there's some differences between telling a great story in a novel versus a comic itself because oh you know like that's a fair point because i think the biggest thing is page turns okay Um, knowing sort of the the best thing about comics is why i also like reading a physical comic than necessarily um a digital experience is because or or I, i like that sense of the way, you know, two pages face each other and you could tell a story in that way. Not necessarily in a spread, but also in sort of your layout of the panels, also of how the the colors look like when they're faced together. But I also love that you have the opportunity of that page turn for surprises. So when you read a, a comic book, you have an experience you can't really get when it's a page a screen or a panel a screen. Um, and I love the canvas it gives for the artist to show not only action but you know sometimes when it's just two characters talking heads and there's a way that you can lay that out on the page that can be really interesting like you can if they're talking a certain way and you do the panels in almost a staccato rhythm or if you have a character that their fate is unknown to the person facing us you reveal their fate on the page turn so both you and the character share that sense of surprise um, so there's a lot of stuff that you can do just knowing the way your reader is looking at your work of art. That's a lot of fun to play with. Nice. Uh, so I've been asking a lot of people, like, I've just gotten really interested in um, conventions in the sense that what is the best show for fans? What's the best show for pros? You know, like, I feel oh, like San Diego is obviously huge for fans but maybe not necessarily for pros because you know like there's not a lot of comic stuff left anymore um but you travel to a ton of conventions like uh, I, I see you all the time I swear <laughs> um and not that that's a bad thing but you always just like pop up you're like I'm not going to Emerald City I'm at Emerald City <laughs> um is is there a convention that you personally love going to and one that you love going to professionally, or are they one and the same to you? They're kind of one and the same. I think I think Emerald City is the best convention, I, my favorite convention. It's I think so much fun. It's it's what's great about it is it's walkable. 
So not only is the convention floor really easy to navigate, but it never feels empty. Uh, where they have the panels is in a great place. It still feels like you're part of the convention, but you're not feeling pressed in by the crowd. The city is amazing and the location of the convention center is amazing. So if you want to meet with friends, there are a lot of places nearby that you can meet that's not overcrowded, but doesn't feel empty. Um, you know, so if you want to meet with a group of friends, you know, later for dinner, you'll find a place and you don't have to wait for hours. Um, but if you also just want to meet for drinks real quick, you know, there are plenty of bars and, you know, cafes and, and places also nearby that gives you that breath of fresh air, but also gets you back to the convention in time. I um, love the Starbucks right by the convention center there, uh, that they get like so into Emerald City. Like they're the only people within like a six block radius that are like, oh my God, the convention's coming. Let's make superhero coffees and get capes for all of our staff. Yeah, they totally get into it. And I love, actually, I love that about San Diego too. Yeah, to they've like, really started that. to embrace it. They're like, well, these nerds are going to be here anyways. We might as well just make the best of it. And, they, and, they, and, and I'm that kind of nerd that I love that. Like, I yeah. know I should be above that. I know I've been going to these conventions for like 10 years now. But no, I'm not, whatever. Not it's different it. every year. They're different every year and they're funny. And gosh darn it, I appreciate the effort. <laughs> that really is completely do. fair. I, um, think, I think like it's fun to see them have fun. And it's also, I was in San Diego once, just once. The sun, You know, Sunday is the last day. And usually people leave about the afternoon. And so I was in San Diego in the evening and it was like the apocalypse. It was like, not a zombie apocalypse, like the rapture. <laughs> it was so weird to be in that space and have 10 feet of space around me. And I didn't like it. <laughs> it's weird. It's like you get used to that sort of human blanket. Yeah, and then all of a sudden it's gone as quickly it as it can. so damaged. <laughs> We're so broken. It's like convention PTSD. <laughs> or Stockholm Syndrome. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> you hate it at the time, and then when it's gone, it's like sad and you're lonely and you miss it. Well, if you're, if you're, in, if you're going to ECC, I can't recommend Victrola Coffee enough. It's like up the hill, okay. and they do a dirty chai that's amazing. Very it just, nice. It gets you your tea fix and your coffee fix all in one. I love Seattle so much. Emerald City, I think, um, since I've been working with Bill, is the only show we've done every single year. So, Because it's the best show. I, I agree. It is, you know, without a doubt, my my favorite. I do love Heroes Con as well. You know um, what? I haven't been to Heroes Con yet. Oh, you need to check That's out Heroes Con. That's my goal this year is I want to try for Heroes Con and maybe C2E2. Oh, we'll also be at C2E2. Um, I know. Bloody Marys. Oh, yeah. The last couple, I know we're having like a personal conversation now, but um, we have like breakfast meetings because there's like no other time there's to ever no have. Time and it's to like. To hold a conversation and also be conscious for it. Do we want coffee or do we want vodka? <laughs> Why not both? I think Bloody Mary's will do, please. It's like socially acceptable morning alcoholism. It's, well, it's it's got fruit in it, so it's healthy. True, and sometimes it has bacon. Yeah, a lot of times it'll have bacon. <laughs> yeah, it's it's the way we roll. It's win-win, and I don't think you've ever seen me happier than when we went to the Portland Hibachi Pancake Place. Oh, that was amazing. That Those was. Bloody Marys are great. Yes, and the pancakes, Hibachi pancakes. <laughs> We're like way off track, but 
If you're ever in Portland, Slappy Cakes. It's a really long wait for hibachi pancakes, but but it, it's worth it. Yeah, because you can draw dicks with pancake batter. Yes, and then you can eat those dicks and it not be an insult. Exactly, and the waiters don't judge you because they've seen it before. They have. They've literally seen the entire human reproductive system drawn in pancake batter. <laughs> All the pancake dicks. <laughs> <laughs> uh, this is gonna be like some serious that's, that's out of context the name quote. Of this episode is pancake dick. Yes, pancake dicks with Daphna. Yeah. No, oh, I can't have my name next to Dix. <laughs> I promise I won't. I won't. Thank you. I it'll be like it. the it'll be the um, subtitle underneath. I have like really good SEO because my name is so weird, and so like I have to be careful with what I say. Like, <laughs> I I there's a an R and B artist that's named Stephanie Cook, um, and all the time like I get tweets that it's like jamming out to some slow jams by hello cookie and i'm like no <laughs> this isn't me but i've started to embrace it and i've retweeted them i'm like thanks for the love like <laughs> i'm just that's great i'm just into it now and i've started to actually get emails from people that are like oh i hear you're married to the legendary so-and-so want to have an interview i'm like yeah yeah i do but like i'm like you're not gonna like what i say because i am <laughs> not the person you're looking for that is so wonderfully mean I, They're just yeah. trying to do their job. I know. Most of the time I just say I'm the wrong person, but every now and again, <laughs> every now and again. So speaking of mean things you can do to people on the internet, mm-hmm. what are some positive ways that you can help bring like positivity to the internet on a day-to-day basis? Like That is the opposite of mean things to do on the internet. I know. You lied to me. I know. I'm sorry. Uh, we can we can just do thing, like... Not lie to people. <laughs> <laughs> no trolling. <laughs> no trolling. Uh, I I'm I'm trying to think of I I'm I'm working on an incentive to kind of help encourage people to be um nicer to one another online. I have uh, to say like it sounds weird but I I love working in the industry in part because it's given me a greater understanding on how the things that I love are made, both comic books but also I'm sure a lot of the collaboration lessons you learn working in comic books transfer over to things like television or film or other, you know, entertainment works, video games. And so it's made me a lot kinder. Or if not kinder, I can see where maybe there was a hiccup that's beyond the creator's control or beyond the intent of the work. And if I might not forgive it, but I can overlook it or I can understand how something is not 100% perfect. Mm-hmm. And weirdly, I enjoy more things because of it. Or I'll stick through more things until they, you know, you know, we all have that TV show where you're like, guys, the first 10 episodes, a bit of a mess, but then they find their voice and second season is friggin' amazing and you should really give it a shot. Dollhouse. I'm my, exactly. <laughs> Dollhouse is not my example, but I, I understand the sentiment. Wow, see, I immediately took it back. I immediately took back the thing I was saying. <laughs> exactly it is like it's made me more um a patient yeah because i know especially for serial work it takes a while it can take a while sometimes people hit the ground running sometimes everything clicks immediately but that's not how it's like 90 percent of the time just by the nature of collaboration everyone kind of learns each other um and so it's made me enjoy a lot more things and when i found that i wasn't looking to be above the thing I was watching or experiencing where it's like, oh, that's dumb. I 
started to like more things and now it just doesn't occur to me to go on Twitter and express if something annoys me or I didn't like because what value does it add to the conversation? Mm -hmm. They're never going to see it. And if they do see it, it's a little too late and it might hurt their feelings and they might have tried. So who, who cares? Who cares if I don't like something? It doesn't do anything. But it's fun to share something that you like. So, so you, you, you're taking on like, I always remember this from uh, Bambi, but if you don't have anything nice to say, then just don't say anything at all. And it's so true. And it's not like trying to stifle expression or, you know, criticism. It's more like at the end of the day, if something is subjective and I don't like it, it doesn't really matter if I don't like it. There are, you know, there's, there are things if it's got a repellent attitude towards women or, uh, you know, other people, like maybe, but I'm probably not watching it anyway. You know, <laughs> I'm probably not going to something that's going to turn me off anyway. Yeah, that's a good way to approach things. I like it. Thank you. All right, so I have one more serious question, but okay. before we get to that, I have a segment for these one-on-one -on -one interviews that I really like doing called Would You Rather? So they're mostly ridiculous, uh, you know, pick one or the other kind of questions. All right? So would you rather, and I, I don't know if this one, I keep on backtracking, I know, but I don't know if this one will be as big for you as a Star Trek fan, but mm -hmm. hear me out. So, would you rather save the life of a starving African child that you will never meet or have an actual real working lightsaber? Uh, I, I don't want a lightsaber. I'll kill more people with a lightsaber. I'll, I'll save someone. I Don't trust <laughs> me with a lightsaber. Are you crazy? I don't trust myself with scissors and walking or sitting. No. And I don't want to live in a world where a lightsaber is real because if a lightsaber is real, then probably Jedi are real, but then also like the bad Jedis are real and... No, I'm, I'm going to save a child. I love how much, like, overthinking <laughs> goes into all of your questions. Like, you're so cautious. <laughs> like, will this hurt me? Yes, probably. <laughs> all right. Second question. I'm the worst nerd. No, I don't. No, no, I love it. I love it. I'm not making fun at all. I say this with beloveditude. <laughs> like, I'm genuinely tickled by all of these answers. <laughs> at least I'm consistent. <laughs> no, I just, like, it's like, I would want to fly, but only, like, two feet off the ground. <laughs> <laughs> like, <laughs> I wouldn't want lightsabers because I'd kill people by accident. <laughs> like, uh, all right. Uh, would you rather be able to use your mind as an iPod so you can listen to music anytime you want, or would you, would you rather be able to watch your dreams the next morning on a TV? No, I don't want either of those. I mean, cause like, like the, 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 using your mind as an iPod, like how would I know it's not just schizophrenia? Like who, who would experience it with me? Like I, what if that starts happening and it's like, oh, this would you rather came true, but maybe I'm just like, I had schizophrenia. <laughs> and then like, yeah. my dreams aren't, you know, sometimes you have weird kind of fucked up dreams and I don't want a like digital reminder or evidence to be used against me as blackmail if someone finds it. Like, no, no. But no, don't you no. have those dreams every now and again where you're like, oh my God, I had the best idea ever in a dream last night. And... Yeah, but, but it's, it's a lie. It's just, 
I've had like it gives you the feeling of that idea without the actual content. It's like a phantom limb. Like it would be useless to you. Like I have those dreams all the time. Like oh, I finished my paper and I write down the first sentence and it's like you know three words, none of them verbs, none of them connect. <laughs> no, I've had like also really disturbing dreams, and so I don't want anyone to know my brain can make those connections in horrible, disturbing, disgusting ways. Are you kidding me? I, I once woke up with like a note you know, uh, for like a story. And I was like, Oh, this is going to be so great. Like it came to me in a dream. And like the next morning it was like alien picking nose. (laughs) Why did I write this? What is this? Why? You were so convinced. It's such a great idea. Yeah. Yeah. So like, you probably don't want that either, my friend. But you could like drunk tweet, like your dreams and be like, man, this is fucked up. That's a bad idea. Then there's, that can be retweeted <laughs> uh all right we'll, we'll go on to the last one okay <laughs> would you rather go deaf in one ear or only be able to use the internet for one hour per week oh shoot that is a good one. Ooh. see i used to be able to think i couldn't exist without internet and then i'd go visit family in israel and i wouldn't have a computer and there's no wi-fi hotspots because my grandma doesn't need a wi-fi hotspot and it was torture the first day and then after that it was strangely relaxing and i read a lot of books and it was great so maybe instead of losing my sense of equilibrium (laughs) i can download everything i need in that one hour and then access it with my my phone set to airplane mode hmm hmm Given me a choice. I'd go deaf in one ear. <laughs> just deal with it. Yeah, I just deal with it. I, I can still hear, so that's fine. Yeah, you can hear yeah. in one ear. So, I mean, you know, it's not like you have to chop off a arm or anything. It's just I could stream the podcast in the other ear. Yes, yeah. exactly. All right, so that's it for the would you rathers. I liked your answers. <laughs> Very safe. <laughs> No lightsabers for you. No. I guess if I had, like, offered a replicator. Yeah. Like, yeah. instead of the African child, maybe. But then I could replicate food for him, and then everyone would win. True. True. Yeah. But you didn't offer a replicator, so I just saved the child. <laughs> Damn. Should have thought this through. All right. And I knew you loved Star Trek, too, so this was really just yeah. poor... Poor planning on my part. This is why really, you must really drop the ball. You must do your prep interviewers. <laughs> um, all right. So here's my last question to you. Okay. So I'm. This is this is probably torture because I'm sure asking to pick a favorite book that you worked on would be asking, like asking a mother to choose her favorite child. But is there one particular title that you're especially proud of? You know, which of your comic books? has graduated at the top of their class and gone on to Harvard or something. I can't do that. No. <laughs> no, I can't do that because like there's things I love about everything and and I I would find something like you you It doesn't it doesn't have to be a favorite. Is there choice. This is mean. No. Is there one that you're proud of like more than any other one or is it just you know each of them has brought different you know experiences to your life 
No, because every time I'm about to say something, I think, well, what about that one? <laughs> I just, I've loved all the books I've worked on this year, especially like Wild's End just wrapped. And I, I don't know if you've read that. It's with um, I did Andy start Halberd and Dan Abnett. And it's just a, like, it's one of those things where everyone is on the same page immediately from page one. Um, but Suicide Risk is also freaking amazing. It's Mike Carey and Elena Casagrande. And they've been telling this, like, we're on issue 22 now. And they've been telling this amazing story. And we're finally kind of reaching the, the culmination, the end. And to see how much the characters have changed over the years literally has been phenomenal. Because it starts off as a story of about a dad. And then it becomes about a dad and his daughter. And then it becomes about his daughter. And it's rare that you get to see an and have that much time with characters and really grow them and change them. But then Sons of Anarchy, like I feel like Sons, our Sons of Anarchy comic has some of the best character work uh, and also, you know, likenesses. And, and I, likenesses is no easy thing. It can be oftentimes very stiff or it could read like you're tracing from a photo. And I've had two amazing artists on it, Damien and Mat Matthias, who have just like really found that sweet spot between the actor and the character that is the character on the page of um, Sleepy Hollow. Like we just wrapped Sleepy Hollow and that I think Marguerite managed to tell not only one shots per issue, but that they all tied together in a coherent whole and like her and George just like really friggin' killed it. And Tamara's colors are insane. And like the backup stories by Noel are just that kind of nice little dollop atop of a really engaging story. So it's, it's hard for me to say because I'm working on all these books and I love, I, I love seeing it when the team clicks mm -hmm. and, and I'm lucky to be there when that happens. You're part of the team. I'm like the, the stage in which they dance. <laughs> well, that's a good answer. That's a very mom answer. <laughs> um, I will never once, if you ever have children, I will never ask you, no, you know, so which funny. one's your favorite. <laughs> Unless, you know, one of them's clearly the devil. Um, be like, I don't need to ask you, I know. Um, but so now they help me very quietly. <laughs> uh, so I, I don't want to keep you for too long. Um, I hope for everyone who is listening, you got a little bit of insight into what it's like to be an editor, especially for a great company like Boom. Um, you guys are doing such a good job with bringing you know, really interesting titles out there to us and especially all ages books too, which I think is just... And Lumberjane, see? Like, yeah! You just did it. Like, you... Oh, everything's terrible. Oh, no! I mean, everything I work on is wonderful. And, like, you asking me that question, I feel like, you know, I love all my books. Oh, oh, no. Don't... Just... It's fine. It's fine. You love them all. I know it. I won't ever make you choose. Thank you. <laughs> I know you love them all. Definitely, you're always at the, you're always at the booth, you know, running around and pimping out all of the books and be like, look at this, look at this, look at this. Any con I ever see you at, you are seriously like proud of everything. I will never, I never doubted you Thank for a you. second. <laughs> Thank you for assuring the audience that I'm not the worst. She is excellent. If you ever want somebody to pimp every single boom title um <laughs> yeah. go to a convention she will definitely be at emerald city um and she's the one with wild eyes you know throwing comics at everyone being I like my books are the best year, actually 
Oh no! What? No, this might be the one year I want because I might I might be going to Israel, so I can't. I can't okay, I was gonna yell at you. I was gonna be like, Daphna, no. <laughs> but I mean, your family and a trip to Israel. I so I mean, I what kind is. of understand. But you know, if you don't go to Israel and you also don't go to Emerald City, I don't know if we can be friends anymore. So. I understand. It's fair. Um, I I hope you make it. Uh, but hopefully if. I don't see you there. I'll see you at C2E2 or Heroes Con or somewhere. We'll find a way. Yes. And everyone else can hopefully find you too and say hi and, you know, be like, hey, and learn something about being an editor on this podcast. Let me me tell you about Agent Carter and also the books I work on. Yes. (laughs) And The 100. I see you tweeting about that a lot. Oh my God. It's so good. Are you watching? I I have it on my list on Netflix. So I'm going to try it out because of you. Okay. Um, And I I will children in peril <laughs> i did ask about a starving african child and whether yeah. you would choose between yeah. that and a lightsaber yeah i mean so yes yeah, yeah. <laughs> i'm okay with it okay. lots of children in peril all right it's sort of like did you ever watch attack on titan yes okay i i i sold it to my friends like it's like live action attack on titan it's children dying in the woods You'll love uh, it. all right <laughs> i will check it out and i will let you know Okay. Over Bloody Marys. Uh, Well, thank you so much for joining in on this show. Um, If anyone has additional questions about what it's like being an editor, any of your books, if anyone wants to be crueler than me and, you know, make you choose a favorite on Twitter, where can people find you? Daphna Doom. Daphna Doom? Yeah, I, I, I felt bad because I was like, afraid that my my opinions would be associated to boom and so i was like what sounds like boom so i don't have to learn a new name but <laughs> is uh also daphne and so daphne doom ah see i already yeah. follow you but i so wouldn't changes, have known this it changes automatically for you ah i yeah. wouldn't have known that you changed your name yeah, so great. it's good to know when i'm tagging you in like drunk posts and stuff yeah yeah <laughs> uh or you know maybe this post which you know will go up in the very near future. Uh, is there any books of yours that are coming out in the next couple of weeks that you want people to know about? Oh, man. That's the other thing about working at comics is you're working so far ahead, you don't actually know uh, what's on the shelves. Well, what's still ongoing for you? I mean, you've wrapped up a ton of titles. Sons of Anarchy, um, for sure. I'm really excited for... And what's a good jumping on point for Sons of Anarchy, the comic? Number number 19, actually. Number 19 uh, will be a start of a new arc and a new writer. His name's Ryan Ferrier. He's doing Curb Stomp, which <gasps> he is friggin' amazing. He does Tiger Lawyer! He's amazing. He's the coolest dude. Um, um, Tiger but... Lawyer, guys. He does Tiger Lawyer. <laughs> and, but he uh, he also does Curb Stomp for us, which is a lot of fun. Also that. <laughs> um, and I'm doing a book, uh, look out for it in May. It's called Kill Strike. It's going to knock everyone's socks off. It's awesome. Um, yeah, I've got a lot of fun stuff and you'll see me talking about it on Twitter because I can't shut up. (laughs) Well, that's the best way to be on social media. (laughs) Otherwise, what's the point? You're doing it wrong. Exactly. Well, thank you so much once again for like the third time for being (laughs) here, but like we are really, really thankful. Uh, and a lot of fun. Yeah. We will, we will talk to you again. You'll be on Misfits. We'll have you back here or something. Star Trek Uh, episode. Yeah. 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 All right. Okay. We'll talk to you later, Daphna. Bye.